In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart App is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are, even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh. That is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart app is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are, even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh. That is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Kyle McLaughlin's having a moment. Critics and fans are heaping on the praise for his agent Dale Cooper in Twin Peaks. 26 years after his star turn as Dale Cooper in Twin Peaks. It is happening again. McLaughlin has had a wonderfully unconventional career. His first job was in David Lynch's ill-fated Dune, a movie I love but that was pilloried when it came out. His second job was starring in Lynch's dark masterpiece Blue Velvet. Then, in his own words, he tried out for Hollywood's big romantic leads and it never quite worked, despite his talent and good looks. But his collaboration with Lynch turned into one of the great actor-director partnerships. McLaughlin just seems to fit in Lynch's uncanny worlds. Do you remember everything? You would never have predicted it from what he watched as a kid. We were actually restricted to Disney movies. Why do you think that is? Our our parents were very... Conservative? uh, Conservative. Tremendously conservative, yeah. Some interviews you did talk about, you know, throwing footballs and playing golf and flying kites Mm. with your brothers. But was there any predisposition toward the kind of vibe that you would then enter into this world with Lynch? (laughs) Meaning, were you like a sci-fi fan? I was a sci-fi fan. You were? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was a huge Dune fan. Found that book when I was in junior high school. So odd that I ended up being cast in the role of Paul. The prince. Yeah, it didn't seem to me. It made no sense to me. I said, this is just completely surreal. And that started the relationship with David Lynch. How did Lynch find you? I was found by a casting agent, a junior casting agent in Seattle. I was working up there at a theater. I'd finished, uh, I'd graduated within the last year, I guess, and was working in a theater doing Tartuffe. We were doing an adaptation of Tartuffe. I was on my way to New York to go do, seek my fortune, basically. And call came through. Hey, there. And that casting agent in, 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 in Seattle? Had a, obviously a pipeline to Lynch's she people was in actually LA. had been sent out on the you know what they the used circuit. to do the crazy circuit yeah so she was Elizabeth Lustig was her name she's part of the casting company and she came through and she met a number of people that day and I read in a hotel room you know the Olympic Four Seasons Hotel downtown Seattle and she put me on tape I, you know that new experience and uh, took it down and showed it to David Lynch and Rafaela de Laurentiis and they said oh yeah okay bring him down we'd like to meet him and you met him and I met him and what was that like it was really like meeting a pal. It was like we sat in an office at Universal in one of the tiny bungalows way in the back. I have no idea where it was. And we just talked about anything, but we didn't talk about Dune. We just talked about, because he was from the Northwest and I was from the Northwest. And so we talked about growing up there and what it was like in the summertime and what you did. And we talked a little bit about red wine because we always like red wine. And we just chatted. 
And uh, and then he said he said at the end I said okay here's the script. Take he it. does have yeah, a bit of a twangy. He's got voice, a twangy voice. And learn this. Learn these scenes, Kale. He didn't call me Kale yet. Learn these scenes, and then come back in a few days, and we'll shoot them. You do a very good Lynch, <laughs> but, but we don't expect that of you, obviously. But then, then many he, years of practice. So then you come in. How long did it take you to shoot your part in Dune? You play the lead in the film. Yeah, lead in the film. And, so and, it was seven months. We were in Mexico City for seven months, oh. which felt totally normal to me. I was like, this is the first experience. It's my like, first movie. I'm going to go with David Lynch to Mexico for yeah. seven months. <laughs> That's what, what you did. shot for seven months. We shot for seven months. That's why it was $40 million back then? Well, I don't know if it was $40 million. That's, That's what, what I said. read in the paper. I know. Well, and you believe everything you read in the paper. Anyway, we, he, David was there for a year and a half. They were there for a year and a half filming because they had second unit, third unit. They had all the special effects. They did everything down there. And um, he was, I think he was tortured. When you start shooting them, who was the DP? Do you remember? Freddie Francis. So we Freddie Francis, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. I had no idea. And he was using kind of a light box thing. It was a whole crazy thing. And they were smoking up all this. I, I had... I got work on stage. You know, this is this is weird. I didn't have to do my own makeup, which was fantastic. Um, you know, they have people for that. Right, right, you right. know, it's all this new stuff. They put you in these crazy costumes. Bob Ringwood was uh, was the costume designer. Bob Ringwood. Yeah. I did the shadow with Bob Ringwood. Oh, the great Bob Ringwood. Yeah. I loved him. We called him Rinky Bobwood. Well, actually, David called him Rinky Bobwood. I didn't I didn't call him Rinky Bobwood. You had a great, you had a great group of people. Yeah. We had it was a, a big movie. A huge movie. Tony Masters was the design, production designer. I mean, we just, we had an extraordinary, talented group of people. So when you this. get down there, it's your first movie. Yeah. For me, the first time I'm on camera, I, I'm, uh, we joke and say that the soap opera that I first did here in New York, we called it Off-Off Television. I mean, nobody was watching the show and it was canceled. <laughs> uh, right when my contract was over two years later, we did the show The Doctors on NBC. Right. And you get to work out of the white hot spotlight. Yeah. And your first movie is a big movie. Yeah. Did you feel... I pressure or didn't, you, no, didn't even enter your mind. Yeah, I was just so naive. I'm here just, to act. I'm here to act. And you know, the kind of, the funny thing about training, and maybe you remember this coming out of school, you really feel like you can do anything. They instill in you this sort of sense, and it's also being 22, 23 years old, you really... You were confident. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're confident to the point of like you can't even consider anything else. This is what you do. Um, so we did it. You know, and uh, we made the movie, and the deal that I had in, in place, which was difficult contractually, was that I could not appear in any other film or television, could not even begin work on film or television until Dune was released, which was not to kill him death, later. but yeah, but that's, <laughs> that's why they did it. In the Lynchian editing yeah. room. So, uh, they were, and, but so I had nothing else to work on, nothing else to back it up with, nothing else to go, and of course Dune came out, it was not... Who was your agent that made that deal? Well, it was unfortunately, it was just part of the, the negotiations with the De La Rentis company, they were really, really tough. Um, I also had five non five Dune pictures and three non Dune options. The contract was this. I mean, yeah, they got it, you. Oh my God! It was two two inches thick. Yeah. And you, you uh, were in the Mercury. Uh, you were in the Orson Welles Mercury Theater of the was, Air Company. I was. <laughs> you're going to do like you're 20 years. You're Joseph I, Cotton I could in a wheelchair. Still be doing Dune. You wouldn't happen to have a good cigar on you, would you? It's uh, it was one of those. But what can I do? You know, I mean, I'm. I was working for um, um, Equity. You know, 99 seat waiver, 185 dollars a week to this. When you go out seven months later, what's changed? I had friends now. I had an agent, which was great. Um, but I, I hadn't spent any time in Los Angeles, really. I'd literally gone from Seattle, shoop, down to Mexico City. Um, and then I went back to Seattle because I couldn't do film or television. So why go to Los Angeles? So I just kind of skipped it. And went home. Went home. And I did a play there again. And I went to New York a little bit and hung out with some friends. And just kind of idled my time until the movie finally came out. And the expectations were so high and completely just shattered. And I was ready to go to work. How did you the feel next about day. that? I was, I was 
kind of disappointed, but I was also like, well, you know, we did it once, we'll do it again. I have this kind of crazy optimism, like, okay, away we go. <laughs> You're the opposite of I, me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'll never I'll do a movie that makes $200 million. I'm sitting there going, God, never so work. bad. <laughs> it's over. I think it had a lot to do with just the naivete of youth and just feeling like, oh, it's okay. Well, you know, I got an agent. We're going to go and we're going to make it happen. So I literally packed up my car. I was in Seattle at the time and drove down to Los Angeles, found a place to stay and started. What happens between you and Lynch on the set of the movie that you become his De Niro? You know what I mean? You're his male yeah. protagonist. I don't... Again and again and again. Why? I don't... I wish I had an answer. I don't really know. You I never mean, discussed we, it. We get along great. I mean, there's been various theories, you know, right. like I'm the guy that can take you through the world. He handed me the script of Blue Velvet while while we were filming Dune and said, this is what I'd like to do next and take a look at the role of Jeffrey and, you know, he gave it to me and I said, Okay, took a look at it, read the script. This is my second film script that I ever read. <laughs> the first <laughs> one crazy. was Dune. The second is Blue Velvet. Yeah. And I read it, and I and it was very powerful. Sure. I mean, oh my God, you know, like highly charged, yeah. uh, and and a journey to be honest that I that I could recognize, could yeah. understand. The crack pipe. Oh my lord! Yeah, you're a little you jacked know. watching that movie. Yeah, it's a crazy yeah, movie. No, it is a crazy movie. And, and you said that you took the script and wanted your parents' approval of the script before you do it. I did. So I got it. I and said, they didn't hey, approve. Take, take a look at this. And my dad read it, and he was like, oh, "Okay." My mom read it, didn't say anything. Yeah. You know, oh, I like it, and, and and she had been already diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Right. It was in the middle of that battle, and I said, "Well, screw it. That's it. We don't have to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. If it's going to upset her, I don't want to." put her in that position. I don't want that kind of pressure, nothing like that. We're not going to do it. We'll find something else. And I called David. And I said, David, I can't. I can't do it. I, you know, and I tried to explain to him a little bit. And he understood. He, to his credit, he says, Gail, I understand. So there was a, you know, a few months that he did was Did he try to recast? So I think he did. But at the same time, I was like, you know, listen, the offers were not pouring in, <laughs> to be honest. And I just couldn't shake the script. And so I, I he came, kind of came back again, and I kind of, and I kind of went to him as well. And I said, David, I... I really would. I think I really need to do this. And I said what that to my mom. mom. I just said to her, I said, Mom, I think it's going to be. I got to do what I got to do. I got to do what I got to do. And I think it's going to be okay. And I don't want you to worry. Did she lose her battle with it? She did, yeah. Then, she around did, that time? In 86, yeah. I, I, How old was I, she? I joke, you know, it's dark humor, but I say she didn't live long enough to see it, which is probably a good idea. She was 51. But your dad survived. Is he still alive? My dad passed a few, about five years ago now. Are you still close with him at all? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We what did he think close. of your career? He was, he was, well, he's a critic. Turns out. Yeah, it turns out. I didn't know that. This is my dad. Dad. I said, you know. Um, but he, he, one of those dads that's really, really proud when he's with his friends and around and with me, proud too, but also wanted to, you know, said, yeah, that one wasn't one of your best. You know, he would say like that, you know. But, he, but, but I knew it came from a place of him wanting me to be my best, you know what I mean? And he just could not not tell a lie. That was my dad. Couldn't tell a lie. And my, my dad, he had only one note for me in all my... Now he passed away in 1983 and I just was starting out on TV and right. soap operas and going to do pilots. And my dad said to me, completely unrelated to my work at all, he said, you know what you need to do? You need to develop a walk. <laughs> You know, like John Wayne has a walk. You know I mean, he has like a walk. You need to come up with a walk. Right, right. If they have a thing you do where everybody, it's like a signature. I'm like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's great. I'm going to go back to Strasbourg and yeah, take yeah. some classes. I'm like, oh, I'll teach walk. a class. I'm, Don't you love it, though? Movie because, walks. Because now, you know, we're all, at the time, you're like, ah. you know, now you're like, he's just doing the best he can to help. He's like, yeah. this is what he knew. And he's like, you know, I, I can see that in my dad. It's the, the love that was inside that body was like going through a really small channel to get out just had a hard time getting out and that's the way it got out but i recognize it as just complete love now 
we go into this business and everybody in our lives who are civilians, shall we say, who have their relationship with the movies and television, mm -hmm. they are fans, they watch what they watch, they like what they like and don't like what they don't like. And right. so when somebody that they're intimate with, somebody they're very close to, goes into that business and then we find out what the business is really like. Yeah. It's a job. Yeah. I mean, and there are sometimes moments of artistic elevation that you have and, and kind of a, a, a state you can get into, which is... Uh, lovely, but not mm. always uh, where we end up. And um, they don't get that. <laughs> they yeah, think. Yeah. So then you go and do Blue Velvet, and then yeah. what's the response to that? I remember just we, we had a screening in the Valley. You know how they used to do that? They used sure. to do, uh, and they wouldn't tell the audience, or they would say, hey, we're going to show, come come here, you're going to watch a show, you're going to fill out these cards, and, and then we're going to figure out what it's all about. So they were testing, basically. And they were some of the worst cards that they'd ever seen. Right. Right. <laughs> I hope a meteor hits this theater oh, and kills everyone. Oh, my gosh. It was awful. Right. Um, and so we were all just kind of like, oh, depressed. And then Pauline Kael wrote about it extensively and started this. I don't know if she initially started it, but it, that was one of the early, one of the early reviews that, that I think explained it to people in a way or pointed them in the right direction or helped them to get a sense of what the world that they were seeing was about. And that started the the slow kind of movement of acceptance. And the cultification acceptance. Yeah. of the movie. Yeah, very yeah. good. Yeah. When do you begin the first round of Twin Peaks? What year? So that was 89, 90. Now listen, I'm just a kid from Massapequa. You know I mean? Right. I, when I was a kid, I watched, you know, like... Uh, uh, F Troop. Oh, and, that was uh, more, I loved F Troop. Yeah, when I was young, I loved Hogan's F Troop. Heroes. Hogan's Heroes. I Jones done movies. I would yeah. always watch every movie program on TV because there was no HBO then, and there was no right. VHS and no 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 nothing. When you go to do Twin Peaks, would you would you say that the Lynchian experience kicks up another notch now in terms uh, of what you're yeah. shooting and how? Yeah, without question. First of all, the the, the role of Cooper, you know, was I read it and I was like, this is this is magnificent. This is pretty special and and. And you really were going to tell this story of Twin Peaks? You're really going to do this, David? I mean, it was one of those kind of like, because this isn't like any kind of TV I've ever seen before. Right. No, it is not. And so we all signed on, I think, to the, to the person, uh, signed on with, you know, and you obviously it's a five and a half year, six year commitment that you have to sign to. And we're all sort of laughing and giddy. We're saying like, <laughs> like that'll ever happen. Right. You know, he's like, are you right. kidding me? Yeah. This is going to be a one, one and done. You know, this is going to be a back, backdoor pilot, you know, so it'll be a completed finished unit, you know, and it'll be it. They're never gonna take. They're never gonna buy this. Cut to you know. They're like, and ABC sees it and goes, "Oh, we'd like to buy more." Now they, they made the decision that well, well after we'd finished, you know, and they started to screen it and they got excited about this, and so we said, "Okay." So we went and we filmed seven more episodes of, uh, but nothing had gone to air yet. So they only had the pilot that they thought was great, and then they had seven shows. And now they were going to put them on the air. So it wasn't the thing where you put one on the air and you kind of see how it does and you put the next one on the air and see it like it is now. We had, had banked all these episodes. Yeah, they committed. They did. They did. And you did how many seasons? We just did a year and a half, not even a half. It was like 32 hours. It was like what you would call now a limited series. Yeah, yeah. They just but, binged but, out. But not intentionally. No, they, they made it, you know, this was this was something that they wanted to run for a while, but but just went off the rails, you know, the in original. second season. Yeah. What was the health of his film career in 91 when you started doing that? Was he having any success? Oh, I, in I think film so. Or? Yeah, Lynch was, yeah. I mean, he's always, I mean, it's always, uh, I think he had, uh, uh, so he did. He wasn't detouring into TV because he didn't couldn't make any films anymore. No, no. Right. I think he found it as, a, as another medium to, right. to, let's experiment and see what, 
this could do, you know. Um, first freak people out every week. Yeah, one of those. And and when does a filmmaker like that on an auteur like that come to television? It was for, it was the first of its kind. So that was the fun thing about it. Now, when you're doing scenes, I mean, I watched the the uh, the. 2.0 that was on recently when you're sitting there and the character opposite you is somebody who's going <laughs> you could do it better than I can no, no I, can't. I never I, I never spoke backwards that's the whole thing that was a great thing about doing, well, but all that, that's a great thing <laughs> yeah. I'll sign to do the series yeah, so I don't have but. to speak backwards <laughs> but when you're shooting scenes with him like that yeah. is it readily available to you is it readily uh, uh, discernible to you what the intention of the scene you're a classically trained actor who's mm-hmm. done theater and films and mm. uh, and now you're doing this thing which is a little uh, not absurd but mm-hmm. very strange is Lynch sitting down with you saying okay now uh, Kyle <laughs> this uh, is how it works <laughs> this <laughs> is what this scene is about and this is where yeah. we're looping back on it or do you just no. plain no, it's easy no. to discern it's it, I don't say it's, I wouldn't say it's easy to discern I think that the uh, the reality within this scene David and I it, we, it's a lot of different things so sometimes we'll find it find it in the scene as we're doing it, sometimes it's there. He always knows exactly what he wants and what he's doing. It's just up. To, uh, it's up he's got a map. Bring me along, you know. Right. But I learned early on. I used to do this in Dune. I used to go in and bother him hours. I would try to talk to him about this scene and what this meant and going here and doing. It. And he would listen to me for about eight minutes, and then he, I could just see that the blinders would come down, and he'd be like, "Okay, that's it." So that, so I said, "Okay, okay." I, a little less in Blue Velvet. I asked him a little less, and then finally between Peaks, I, I, I stopped asking him altogether to explain. I just said, all right, we'll find, you know, I know, I kind of know what I, what I got. He doesn't want to talk about it too much. Talk about it too much. No. We'll he, find it. Yeah, and he doesn't like to talk about his, the finished product. He said, you go watch it. You tell me what you think. You know, have that experience. You know, I know what it means to me, but he is loath to like. Do a lot of hand holding. Yeah. Yeah. He wants people to go on this journey, you know, as, as a, he's a true artist, you know, he wants people to experience this thing, you know, and so that's what we do. So that shows on for a year and a half. Yeah. And yeah. that becomes another cult. Yeah. Masterpiece. Yeah. yeah. What does that do for you? So that uh, you're making development deals with ABC. No, and you're, you know what? I I just, just fucked every time they handed you with the keys. Yeah, no, I just to threw the, away. To the car. I said, "Here, you take." You them. dropped them down the drain. I did. I did. To be honest, oh, I did. Uh, seriously, I they, I had this opportunity like that, and I and I just was like, great, but I you know I didn't know how to uh, generate. Did you want to, or that's not? Do you look back and wish you had, or are you more leaf look, in the wind? I look back and wish I had. I wish I'd been smarter, you know, um, and had. But then at the same time, I'm going like, you know what? I don't know how I would have done that. You know, I just wasn't built that way. Right, and that's uh, not your thing to be. Not my uh, thing. Yeah, to produce yourself it, and to market yourself as a product. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, although. You know, and part of that is part of that is just, I don't know, age. You know, you I, I look back and and not that I know what everyone did, but you know, my heroes were guys like Dean and Montgomery Clift and Brando and these guys, and and there was a real re- in at least I believed whether it was true or not. I believed oh that you know it was all about the craft and the art and finding and playing the character and doing that kind of thing, but never any thought towards. Okay, this is a story that I really like, a character that I really like, and they were they were out there. I just didn't know how to grasp them. Twin Peaks star Kyle MacLachlan, like MacLachlan, Stacy Keach is probably best known for playing a mystery-solving detective. For Keach, it was Mickey Spillane's Mike Hammer, but his incredibly varied career, from King Lear to The Simpsons, makes for great stories. Plus, he stars in this year's film noir, Girlfriend's Day, alongside, believe it or not, David Lynch. 
Keech's credits go back to 1964. What's it like for you now to work with younger actors? Do you find that the good ones operate the same way, or are they different? They're different. They're very different. In what way? Wow, you know, I mean, every moment is something different. The only thing that was consistent was inconsistency. Right. As a younger actor, I probably would have gone nuts. You relied on a pattern of some kind. Well, that's right. But I like like that. I like spontaneity. I like flexibility. But you've also learned how to handle it. Well, that's it. Our full conversation is at heresthething.org. After the break, more from Kyle McLaughlin. Hi, I'm Alec Baldwin. Don't you think it's cool to care? Carrie Yuma knows fast fashion's not sustainable and decided to spin that conscious mindset to create high-quality, low-impact sneakers. Their best-selling Akka style is the perfect, durable sneaker for dressing up or down, pairing a fresh look with broken-in level comfort. Akka is made with organic cotton canvas and ethically sourced rubber, and every pair comes with Karayuma's signature cork and Mamona oil insoles. Akka's already found its way into my summer shoe rotation. Find your pair and choose from a range of bold and beautiful colors. Right now, there's 15% off at C-A-R-I-U-M-A dot com slash Alec. With how much we rely on our devices, it's easy to forget about the hardware we're born with. Take ears. Like fingerprints, your ears are totally unique. Too bad your earbuds aren't. Unless you've got Ultimate Ears Fits True Wireless Custom Fit Earbuds. Ultimate Ears Fits offer premium sound and all-day comfort. Their groundbreaking lifeform technology guarantees a perfect fit in only 60 seconds. Just put in the earbuds, connect to the app, and watch as the purple LEDs form the earbuds to your unique shape. With 8 hours of continuous playback on a single charge and up to 20 hours with the charging case, Ultimate Ears Fits are the perfect choice for listening to your favorite music and podcast all day long without pain or discomfort. For a limited time, get 15% off above the current offer of your pair of Ultimate Ears Fits True Wireless Earbuds at ue.com slash fits. Just use promo code FITS at checkout. That's 15% off the current offer with promo code FITS at ue.com slash fits. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Kyle McLaughlin's been on a few truly legendary sets including Oliver Stone's The Doors, in which he plays Ray Manzarek, the band's keyboardist. Oh, my God, that was amazing. First of all, Val's performance in that was... was it was per- incredible. Perfect, just perfect. He was unbelievable. He was the guy. Everybody wanted that job. Mm-hmm. Everybody who was age-appropriate and physically appropriate and could even remotely play that character wanted to play Jim Morrison oh, yeah. with Oliver. I yeah. mean, I'm sure he auditioned 500 yeah. actors in this. The, the I wanted to play Jim that. Morrison. Look at me. <laughs> I don't look anything like Jim Morrison. Well, I don't have any of that well, energy. Well, but. but you think to yourself, it's just, and, and then that movie, what was that experience like for you? I, you know, Oliver and I had a little bit of history with Platoon way back in the day where there was uh, some talk about me doing one of the roles there, and it didn't work out. Yeah. But Oliver, he's finicky. He's finicky, but he came back to me for for, for Ray. Manzarek. Yeah, for Ray Manzarek. And I was kind of like, why did you? Were you a Doors fan? I kind of. I you mean, worked. you know, I knew a did couple. Did you immerse yourself in their music? Yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. <gasps> totally, totally. I, I learned, because I, I grew up playing the piano, so I, I took a little keyboard. There's one in the corner right there, like one of those. And I just learned all the songs. The trouble was they and you kept, learned to play them. Yeah, I learned to play them. And they kept changing the songs. That was the problem. But I could play, we could almost perform 
as a band. If we if, we, if Robbie Krieger, because Frank Whaley was on the guitar, if he had oh, guitars are hard instrument. Whaley. Yeah, remember Frank? He Frank. knew a little bit, but but we needed Krieger. So when Robbie would play with us, we could actually play a couple songs, like the Doors. It was that was. If I put cool. the keyboard on. Could you play Blue Sunday for me right now? <laughs> Highly doubtful. <laughs> highly doubtful. I love that movie. Oh, it was, but, but, it, but it was an experience. It was. It how was long was that? Like, like, was, that I, was, it, was that seven months in the desert in Mexico? No, no. But it was as close to close to that as I'd been. Yeah, <laughs> but it was an experience. It was a giant machine, you know. And I was a little. Cog. Was Bob Richardson the DP? Yeah, yeah. We were shooting in Candlestick Park. We were shooting um, five cameras. Bob's on five cameras. We we're performing, and Joe Reedy. Do you know Joe Reedy? Of course I know. Okay, Joe, Joe Reedy's first, right? <laughs> <laughs> so Joe, who has a voice very similar to Lynch, he's got one of the big megaphones in a bullhorn, and he's like, and he makes an announcement. He says, um, "To all of the women in the audience, if you would like to earn an extra hundred dollars, you can take off your top during the next." Blah, blah, blah. So anyway, anyway. Right. and we're all kind of like, can he? Can he ask can that? You do that? No one's yeah. gonna do that. Well, Are you crazy? The, the SAG rule book? Yeah, it's yeah. impossible, you know. So and the like, criminal you know, code actually will yeah, do it just as not well. Not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. Did anybody do it? Cut two. We look out, we've got and suddenly there are like fifty women off they right. go. They and we're that. like, what? And they're on they their, know the camera's gonna their cut guys' to them now. shoulders. Of course they yeah. do. And we're all up on stage and this is all happening and the cameras are on us and we're like, we can't look. Right. Because we're just seeing the current climate we're living in right now. That is disgusting, Kyle. It's terrible. That disgusts me <laughs> that, that that happened. <laughs> it's That's awful. so wrong. But, then, but back then, it was do like... You, do you... Refresh my memory. Yeah. You, do you record their music or you lip sync? We know to, to play their back, tracks. To play back. I mean, obviously, Light My Fire is his big uh, right. uh, solo. Yeah. Do you recreate that in the film? Or you yeah. Play? Yeah, we do. No, you had a big moment doing It that? was like... It was one of the first days of filming. We were out of the beach and we were shooting and, and we're, trying to, we're trying to find a song. We're trying to find a song. You know, how do you play that as an actor? Oh, you're messing around, you know, and you kind of dee 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 And Ray says, yeah, give me, guys, give me a few minutes. I got to figure this out. So they trop on down to the beach, all the guys, and you hear over the track while they're on the beach, dee 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 you know, kind of a mistake, two, three, and then finally he nails it. Okay, guys, come back in. I got it. You know? yeah. <laughs> two minutes later, he was like, okay, that's how we're going to play it. And that was it. What was he like? Ray. Yeah. Oh, uh, he was, I met him twice. So he didn't hang out a lot. Um, he didn't hang out. He and Oliver were not were not best of friends. Um, These guys are never cool. The impression I got, I could right. be wrong. I don't want to say the wrong thing, but mm. the impression I got is those guys are never cool with representations of well, that's it. You know, and, and you know, kind of and kind of uh, uh, grave robbing yeah. uh, uh, Morrison and yeah. representations of their work. They're very very proprietary. I think Ray felt like he was the you know he's the keeper of the myth. Yeah, and here was Oliver coming in and trying to make it his own and change and change it. You know, and Ray had a very specific idea about what it was and what it what meant. What was his idea? Well, I think. You know, he Jim was to him the greatest thing ever. Yeah. I mean, and 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 he and he was. You know, I mean, Morrison was making amazing. Jim, making Jim less damaged, maybe. Yeah, he, he was. He, he was a god. You know, the conversations I had with Ray while we were filming versus um, I found that the, the best source information was actually going back to the interviews and just watching the behavior and the physicality and how they said and spoke and talk to each other. And that, to me, was the better indicator of what was really happening with the band, as opposed to listening to Ray. Ray told me some great stuff and great stories, but it was all through the lens of time. And what about Robbie? I didn't speak to Robbie. I don't know. I'm don't... only asking because the film is so voluptuous and oh, so wonderful. But a cool. lot of people have said, you know, it's like it's not really remotely... What it... v- v- Val is stunning. I mean, I put Val in a category with, like, uh, um, Ray Liotta. 
You know, yeah. Here's two guys that they should have won the Oscar. Yeah. You know, Ray Liotta oh, should have won the Oscar. And Val for wasn't even nominated. And Val should have won the Oscar. He for, wasn't even nominated for the Doors. No, he should. And I think they're two guys who. I'm not saying this in any harsh way, but they're almost two guys who like they never recovered from that. Like they can't yeah. believe they didn't get their due. Yeah. That that was. You know. That that kind of role that's the full expression of everything Val was as a performer. That yeah. was it. He just put it all out he there. He did. And he didn't get what he deserved. Yeah. yeah. And that's always very, very kind of, not crippling, but it's very demoralizing. Yeah, you've got to be able to come through that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, now, my other favorite, you, you, even when you, uh, I'm saying this out of love for you, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of yours. <laughs> I love And this. even when you do the movie, and the, the movie's nutty and fucked right, up, right. I love Showgirls. Oh, thanks. Now, what was, you worked with a lot of, Lynch, <laughs> Oliver, Verhoeven. Verhoeven, yeah. What no, was that, that like? Well, that was the, that was the decision. It was like, geez, you've got Paul Verhoeven. I'm a huge fan of Verhoeven. I mean, I loved RoboCop. Yep. Come Ooh. on. I mean, that is just something Ooh. that's just magic. Epic. Basic Instinct had just come out. I was like, that's powerful as well. I'd like the stuff from before. It's Soldier of Orange. It's Betters and stuff he before. I was like, this is an amazing director. Very this is director. his vision. You know, he's going to take Vegas and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be dark and it's going to be visceral and he's going to really expose this whole world, you know. Esther House wrote the script. Esther House at the time was was the guy. On I mean, top. he's huge. So you're like, you're looking at this and you're going, okay, and I get to play a character that's slightly deviant. He's tough. He's got a dark side to that point i hadn't had a chance to do much of that you know as a, as a young actor you're looking to try to find a way to to expand your potentiality i guess to people that are ha- that are casting and i was like this is a this is a no-brainer this is going to be great i like the scenes it was very good i got into it you know worked hard came up with a kind of a weird look sheep you know like one of those uh, like a wolf in in sheep's clothing kind of Why? thing i just wanted that's my f- feel for the guy. Yeah. That's what I wanted him to be like. He thought he was manipulating people. Oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely. So I was like, okay, I'm going to play all this, i going to explore this. You know, and, and then there was some, you know, some nudity stuff that we had to sort of work out, which was, I was fine. You know, I was like, that's okay. You, um, you didn't mind that? I didn't you mind. Never he, minded he, that. he wanted, he wanted... <laughs> He wanted you to shoot a porn film. He was like, oh, we, he was like thinking a European. I was like, well, no, he's European. He said, no, we do, no, we do full frontal. We do full frontal. And yeah, and I was like, ah, I'm not yeah. so sure. And he yeah. was like, what? You, you don't think you can maintain erection? Oh, no worries. We do digital. We put the digital. Yeah. Don't worry. He thought that my complaint was the fact that, oh, I wouldn't be able to maintain. Yeah. Or, and, or, and, you know, so, yeah. and I said, uh, and I said, no, no. And, and then he said, digital. I said, he said, oh, so you can do any size you want. Yeah. And he said, and I, said I, I was like, oh. So, I wanted you to make me look like a yak. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But he wasn't a perv. He just wanted no, authenticity. No, no. He, he wanted, wanted everything real. Just do, just do, what, the, be, what, do yeah. what the characters do. Yeah. And then we were like, nah, How long did that take to shoot? That was a good, you know, that was pretty traditional. Three months, four months of work in was L.A. Was he kind and tender with Elizabeth? She hadn't made a lot of films, had no, she? No, she hadn't. He was pretty kind of I mean there was a lot that went on in that on that movie I mean there were a lot of stories that happened and I she's a sweet girl she's lovely you know something I remember, remember her getting yep. you know mauled when that movie came out and people said a lot of yep. mean yep. spirit things. and yep. I've met her many times and I absolutely adore her she's yep. like one of the most adorable women yep. such a lovely person she is lovely she's a sweetheart yep. and that was a tough thing for her to go through yep. something that I don't think she ever may have recovered from but, um, it was difficult I mean, yeah. the filming process was actually f- phenomenal because we were working in South Lake Tahoe. There was a full stage, and these were all, they were doing the choreography and everything. Like, it was a full-blown show. So you'd come in and you watch the show during, you know, and you'd p- 
perform and stuff. And then when I wasn't working, which is a lot of time, it was one of the best snows that they'd had in Sally Cause. So I had my skis in my trailer, and I would just get in my car. I'd swing by, because they don't want you skiing, obviously, and i just load them in my car with my boots. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm just going to go get uh, yeah, a cup of coffee. Uh, yeah, back in a little bit. And I would go ski. Haircut. I'd go ski. And it was <laughs> just spectacular. So I'm reading about you, and you meet your wife. Yeah. You'd obviously dated a couple of uh, very well-known women in yep. your life. We yep. all do that. Yep. We all, you know, we're the quarterback of the football team. We're like, where's the head cheerleader? Let's get her over here. <laughs> right now. We're going to date her. And, right. uh, um, and then... Um, you can relate. I know. And I can relate. And then you, you marry your wife who you met. She was in the PR business when you met her. Yeah. She had been working at Rogers & Cowan. She had just left to form her own company called Full Picture. Her name, uh, her name is Desiree Gruber. I met her at a chiropractor's office. I was in with um, Blake Edwards. He and I shared a room of traction therapy. You're kidding me. No. It was Blake you and, and I. Blake Edwards? Me and Blake Edwards just sort of hanging out. What hey, happened? Hey, Blake, how's it going? I ruptured a couple of discs in my back. and in Skiing? No, I was working out. Stupid, right. stupid stuff. Right. Anyway, um, and I was in trying to do distraction therapy to sort of release the pressure. And so I was in a room, and Blake was over there in, in his chair, and I was in my chair. And uh, so I got to know him a little, which is kind of cool. Blake. Yeah, he's a good guy. A little bit. And uh, Desiree walked past the door. So there's a... You know, I was sitting in the room, looked out. She, this tall, gorgeous woman, walked past, and I was like, "Who is that?" You know, immediately, Bing. and the antenna went out. And uh, I said, "Oh, I kind of find out what's going on." She'll be in there for a little while. Well, like five minutes later, she walked back out again. I was like, "This is not good," because I was stuck in this traction. So I got out of my traction, went up to meet her at the front desk, started struck up a conversation. But I was too, it felt too weird, and I felt too shy to like get any kind of contact number. So I just kind of, I just didn't. Nothing gelled, and I was like, oh, gosh, okay. So she went on her way, and I was like, oh, maybe I can figure out who she is or where she's from. I don't know. Two nights later, she walked into the Tina Brown party for Talk Magazine at um, the Mondrian. She walked in. I was like, hello. And so we stuck up a conversation, and uh, and it's got numbers and everything like that. At that time, I, I was felt, you know, you're ready to I go. Said I was like, ready to move. I've already met you once. So now I can ask you. This is a role I could play. Yes, this is exactly right. There is your boyfriend. There is some truth to that. Look at, I can do this. And, I seem uh, like your boyfriend, don't yeah. I? For me, when I look at your career and I see you, especially when you do, I mean, I'm not making any jokes about Showgirls because I think there's a lot of good in that movie. Right. And for you, what I see is you become more of the sexualized leading man, where before that, the more prominent characters you played were more chaste and more pure and heroic. Right. And the libido and the sexuality and the perversions, if you will, are around you and behind you and underneath you and everybody else. But when you do Showgirls and then you do other shows like Sex in the City and things like that, you become much more of a right. classic leading man than the heroic leading man in some of the mm-hmm. other pieces. Did you feel that way? I mean, I agree with you about the naivete. I think it was what served me well in Blue Velvet in particular. And that you look at him and you go, here's a pretty chaste young man that gets drawn into something and is attracted to something that is absolutely completely dark and gets goes through that journey and barely makes it out alive, you know, singed around the edges. And I think the journey, you know, with, let's say, Sex in the City, with uh, Desperate Housewives, is, you know, in an environment with a character that is... Um, you know, he's sort of unusual. There's, there's what you see on the surface seems to be normal and fine, and everything's good. But underneath that, there are some other urges that are lurking. You know, and did you what, like both those shows? What exactly they are, we don't know. I did. I enjoyed him very much. I, um, Sex in the City was, you know, it's it's um, it's a little frightening. You're on uncertain ground because. You know, with a film, they hand you the material, you know 
A to Z what you're going to be doing. It's all up and, front. Yeah, you know, it's right there. When you walk into a show like that, um, and Sex and the City was one of those, you know, I don't How know. How long did you do that? Two years. I was meant to come on for just a couple episodes. Two full seasons. Yeah, two full seasons. So right in the middle. And you don't know. They hand you a script one week, and then the next week they hand you another script, and suddenly you're doing some crazy thing, you know, with an animal. Who knows? You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, and you just like, ah, uh, it keeps you on your toes, on edge, you know, and, you're, and that uncertainty is there. And occasionally I'd have to say, ah, just not comfortable doing this. I'm sorry, Mike. You know, it's like it's just a little too, I don't know. The thing about TV that people don't realize is that the guy that's going to be the head writer in season five or six is just entering Harvard now. You know, yeah. He's like, he's just starting his college education. He's like, he's like 18. Yeah. You know, like, who knows wh who's going to show up? Uh, you know, it's a long journey. It's yeah. a long road to run with TV. Yeah. And why didn't you have your own show? Meaning, was it you, did you not want that? Did you not want, I don't want to book a no, show for like were, six years. No, there were. You wanted freedom? I'd done pilots. Or you would have done it. Oh, I'd done pilots. Yeah, I did a pilot with Andy McDowell. And I thought, this is great. You know, Mike Newell, director, you know, you sort of look at this stuff and you're like. He did the one with you and Andy? Yeah. What was the pilot? Yeah, it was called Joe. And it was about it was about her, but <laughs> it was I was been an axe murderer. <laughs> axe murderer. Yeah. No, it was the ghost of an axe murderer. It would have been would have been better. Um, and the wife talks backwards. Yeah, exactly. It was you and Andy. She's Joe. Yeah. And was it like a family drama? It was like a family thing. She was a veterinarian. She had her mom. I was the boyfriend. It was kind of come back into her life, and you know, so it was this group. So, um, I mean, it wasn't built around me. It was built around her. But it seemed like it would work and make sense, you know, especially with that kind of pedigree. Um, but you just never know. You just never know. And there were others that I tried and things that, you know, had like a, sh a short shelf life, you know what I mean? And that just never materialized. So not without trying and not without like taking a shot at some good stuff, you know? So when the Lynch 2.0 comes your way, mm. was it something you guys had always discussed for a long time? It was in your pocket for a while? No. Or was it also you just pop up and go, hey, Yeah, a little Kyle. bit. Not, not without my also over the years sort of, because we're friends and we live close to each other in L.A. I've got a house out there and, and we see each other frequently and we love to sit and talk and reminisce a little bit and talk about what's coming up. And I would always say, hey, do you ever think about going back to Twin Peaks and revisiting that? And he would always say, no, I, I, no, 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 nothing really going on, you know. And so there's no ideas, no thoughts to go back at all. He'd also had a difficult time, you know, the television experience, I think, ultimately with David, it just was not something that he wanted to go back into, um, which I understand. It's about having control, and that wasn't happening. Um, somehow he and Mark found a common ground, a common story, uh, a way to go back that that interested them and they started working on it and shortly thereafter David came to me and said I need to talk to you about something but he didn't want to talk to me about it over the phone so I said okay so we met in New York and he said we're going to go back to Twin Peaks are you on board and I said David I've always wanted to go back to Twin Peaks you know that you know so he, I gave him my handshake and uh, said, let's go, you know. And so, Give him that Washington State handshake. I did. And was, that's all bond. we needed. That's it. It's the bond, you know. And so off he went, and he and Mark were writing, and I knew what was coming up, but I couldn't say anything until it was Mark. finally announced. Mark Frost. Right. I want the audience to hear his name. Yes, now. good. Thank you. Because um, he, he and David co-wrote um, co that entire thing. So... You start shooting that when? We started in, oh, see, dates. I think we met, like, in 2012, and I think we started filming in 20... 14, 15? Where? Uh, started in Seattle, six weeks in Seattle, roughly, and then the remainder in Los Angeles. On stage? The, uh, yeah, mostly locations, to be honest. We, really? were, we were out, yeah, out in the, kind of the desert environment area, and then the last three or four weeks we were on stage. Was um, it familiar to you when you came back to that? Not really, because we didn't get back to the character of Cooper until our 16. And so up to that point... 
I was two other characters. Yeah, and I saw. One little tiny one. And got to work with, I mean, I'm working with Naomi Watts, who is just adorable and fantastic Very and talented. so much fun. So talented. So talented. Like every fiber of her being tiny. She's tiny. She's tiny. That's David. Perfectly cast. So enjoyed working with her. She had the lion's share of the language, you know, because I, the character I played at that point, Dougie, is is almost mute apart from a couple of words Love here those and there. parts. Oh, my God. Did the best, yeah. right? Yeah. Come to work every morning. I got one word in between two paragraphs. <laughs> okay, Naomi, go. Like Boo Radley. Yeah. You say nothing. <laughs> say nothing. You stand there and you note. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And people like, you know, they get behind that. So um, that was um, unexpected. And I didn't know when David said that they're going back. He said, there's going to be some other things that you're going to have to do. You know, there's other, you know, other, and I was like, I didn't grasp what it was until I sat and read this 500 plus page script, <laughs> you know, at one sitting with a couple of cups of coffee. No. Oh yeah. They said, like I couldn't, book. I could not leave the it's like Citizen Kane. Production. You can find yourself to pages 39 yeah. through 45. Yeah, that was it. But it was there and I read it and I couldn't believe what, what, what I was being asked to do. It was like someone had given me the greatest gift in the world. Really? Oh yeah. It was like, look at these characters. It was there. Yeah. Not just one. Not just one great yeah. character. There was a second. There was a th three great characters. This is acting. I said, this, I said, is going to test me. And I got scared. You know, you get nervous, and then you, you're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And so you just go on that journey. And I had David. If it were another director, who knows if I would have felt comfortable to, to relax and, and allow him to, like, watch and tell me and steer. You know what I mean? And that, that was what made the difference. See, what I love about your career is that you can play people who are these very tender and very sincere and kind of, you know, naifish characters in your mm. early career. And then who's the darker character in the 2.0? Mr. C. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, he's awful. Oh, my God. He's just awful. And, and you inhabit that character. You yeah. really, really, you are, you, you are the guy that could be like... Andy McDowell's boyfriend, and you know, there's a, you're bringing a basket full of puppies over to her house, <laughs> exactly. and then you're just this nightmare. Yeah, and and no fun to play. But then once you're in there, you're like, the feeling of power. I get it. Is like, I am a god in a weird way. That's what I felt when I walked through that. I mean, true, he's from another dimension. All right, but you're giving yourself that and you're like wow it's not something you want to abuse or carry around or let exist other than when the camera's rolling from start you know cut from you know action to cut because it's just too it's the ring in the hobbit it's like you just you don't want to put that on you know because not unless you really have to. I did the Scottish play at the Public Theater back in 1998, mm -hmm. and, and we had a funny cast because we had a lot of future stars. And I remember I would kill Zach Braff. He played Fleance, and I'd stab him. I put my boot on his shoulder, and I peeled him off my sword. Yeah. And then I would turn to the people in the front row who were like maybe five feet away, and I'd be yeah. like, are you next? <laughs> Any one of you, any of you, you want a yeah. piece of this? Like yeah. I would literally like try to bring the audience into like, I'm going to kill you now. Yeah. You want to fuck with me? Yeah. And the second act of, of Scottish play, you just went, went crazy. You, yeah. know, you really like lost your mind. Yeah. So when Jeffrey Nordling would kill me in the end, I was like, I'd lay there and we had a rain effect and rain would be coming down and my body was half in the gate of the castle and half outside. Uh -huh. So my body's inside and my head is just outside and rain is coming down. And I look up at Jeffrey, who's going to kill me. And I look up and whisper in the scene. I go, I want you to really kill me. 
goes, I can't do this fucking show another time. I'm tired. <laughs> I was so tired <laughs> of sword fighting, killing, and the hatred and the malice yeah. and, the, and the anxiety. Yeah. I mean, uh, Macbeth yeah. going crazy. Oh, yeah. And I would sit down and look up at Jordan Luna and I go, shove that sword at me, please. <laughs> Chop my head off. Kill. I can't do this. Fu- I can't do yeah. that. But um, oh my God. Well, that's last... interesting you say that because I think you were right in keeping with that character what's happening in his mind at the same time. I think he's probably at that point. He's got a death wish. He's, exactly. Maybe. He can't stop it. He said, you have to stop it for me, I think. So Some, I think someone stopped me. I think you were, yeah, you were right, in the, right in the wheelhouse. Two other questions. Yeah. So you have a winery. Are you, yeah. have a, you, you make wine. Yeah. Where? Yeah. I make wine in, in Eastern, Washington? Eastern Washington, yeah. I grew up in Yakima. It's Eastern Washington. I watched the, the wine world develop there. Sure. And the quality every year gets better and better and, and improves. And I wanted, to be honest, I really wanted... I'm interested in wine. I wanted to go back and explore that. I, I'd like to. I wanted to learn more about wine, and that was one of the ways I could do it. And I wanted an excuse to go back and see my dad, who was alive at the time, more. And I said, if "Did he I, work with you?" We would go together. We went down to the winery together. We tasted together. He participated with it. Yeah, he loved it. So you owned it. I partnered with uh, an existing winery that already had all the infrastructure. There's right. so much infrastructure in the winery. It costs so much money. So I sourced the fruit. Uh, I found the barrels that I wanted to use, new French oak barrels, and I you have was, your own what, label. Uh, What's it called? Yeah, it's called Pursued by Bear. Pursued by Bear. <laughs> and where did that come from, if I may ask? <laughs> the Winner's Tale. It's right from The Winner's Tale. Exit Pursued by a Bear. It's, one of, it's my favorite stage, stage direction, direction of all times. Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. You've been doing it for how long? I started in 2005. was the first vintage. For a while. We're um, right now, and currently, I'm a little behind, not behind. I just, I aged for a while. It's uh, the 2013. Uh, I've got my old e-commerce site now. Do you want to expand that and do more of that? Uh, maybe. You know, it's more rich like Coppola. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I think he makes, I mean, yeah. he, obviously, he makes more money doing the wine than, than by film. far. Yeah. But um, but maybe. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, right now, it's just something else, you know what I mean, that's different from the business that takes you kind of away into a different place and something I can share with friends. And my wife gets a kick out of it, you know, and I get to go home and see my brothers now. And, and do you know what you're doing next? Yeah. Uh, not, no, no. Reading, yeah. reading some things. Um, there's some kind of cool things, you know, out there. Um, I don't know. I love this one line that you were quoted saying, not working makes me nervous. I do enjoy my time off, to be honest. Yeah, oh yeah. I've learned. I said, you know what? Something will come. And it's up to me to keep plugging away and talking to my agents, my managers, and like find the best thing that we can find. But in the meantime... I'm having a great time with my son. Yeah. You know, I'm doing my gardening in Los Angeles. You know, it's like that. And I love that kind of stuff. Kyle McLaughlin, David Lynch's go-to leading man. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Hi, it's Bethany Frankel, and on my podcast, Just Be With Bethany Frankel, I talk to people who have had non-traditional roots to get where they are. Pretty much a started from the bottom, now they're here story. These are the people I'm curious about and want to have real conversations with. 
I'm not asking things that you've heard already that are just regurgitated nonsense. It's not just for people to come on here and promote a book. I want to hear what they think about different things. I want to hear how they made it big. Each episode, you'll hear from disruptors like Matthew McConaughey. And I think that day is when he goes, I was a good father to him. I raised him to have this confidence to go, I'm going my own way, I'm breaking out. Kelly Ripa. Nobody handed me anything and I fought really hard for everything I had. Sammy Hagar. I didn't realize I was really building a brand. No one told wow. me that you're building a brand. And so many more. Listen to my podcast, Just Be With Bethany Frankel on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.